Welcome to the Big Unlock Podcast, your leading source for insights and best practices on the digital transformation of healthcare. Join host Patty Patmanaban, CEO of Demo Consulting and best-selling author of Healthcare Digital Transformation, how consumerism, technology, and pandemic are accelerating the future in conversation with healthcare and technology leaders. This podcast is brought to you with the support of our partners, Innovacer and Powbox. Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to this very special episode. I'm so proud to say that this is our 100th episode. And I want to start by thanking all of our guests who have made this so special. And of course, all of our listeners who have given us the opportunity to make this podcast what it's become. It's an important uh, resource for people who are in the digital health, digital transformation space and in the healthcare IT space. And I couldn't be more thrilled to introduce my very special guest today for this very special episode, Unity Stokes, co-founder of Startup Health. Unity, what a pleasure to have you join us. Welcome. Patty, thank you so much. And and what an honor to be here on the 100th episode of your podcast. I I listen to it frequently and am uh, grateful to be here. And really, these are always the highlights of my day when I get to speak with either entrepreneurs or people like yourself who are in the space, innovating in the space, and also an entrepreneur. So uh, great to be here. Looking forward to uh, digging into a great conversation. Thank you so much. Well, tell us a little bit about Startup Health. Tell us about the story and the one thing that in all these years that you would consider a proud accomplishment for you. Let's start with that. For Great. So, Startup Health was co-founded by myself and my business partner, Stephen Krein, uh, 10 years ago, actually. And we had a a very basic concept that we could organize a, a global army of what we call health transformers. These are the entrepreneurs and innovators reinventing or rebuilding the future of health. And if we organized enough of them together, we could really transform some of the biggest or achieve some of the biggest health moonshots of our time, big global challenges. So for the past 10 years, we've been investing in and mobilizing really a global army of entrepreneurs. We've now got 400 companies all doing different aspects of health innovation in our portfolio from all over the world, six continents, 26 countries. And we've been really mobilizing this ecosystem and community of innovators together to work on big, big global challenges, things like delivering access to care to billions of people or reducing the cost to zero or ending cancer or curing disease like diabetes and Alzheimer's. I really think as I step back and reflect on what we're most proud of, it's it's really just focusing on a vision around collaborative innovation. I think one of the great challenges of healthcare as an industry for the past 50 years or or more has really been the siloed nature of, of the industry. So I think really just focusing on a collaborative innovation model is ultimately what I'm most proud of and look forward to digging in into that with you. You launched Startup Health with this notion of moonshots. And I think you referred to a few of those in your comments. Tell us about this. What are moonshots? 
Yeah, so we, we set out to tackle 12 global health moonshots. Each of these moonshots can impact at least a billion people. They're very connected to the UN's sustainable development goals around health and wellness. But by 2040, we would like to do things like deliver quality care to every human on earth. You know, there's 5 billion people that basically have no care at all right now. Reduce the cost to zero. So rethink the business models around around care the same way we've seen the tech world do with things like entertainment or travel or telecommunications. We have a women's health moonshot, a children's health moonshot. We have a a mental health and well-being moonshot. And two years ago, we launched uh, an addiction moonshot and more recently a pandemic response moonshot, not just for COVID-19, but also to mitigate and manage future pandemics. So we believe that all of these moonshots are really interconnected in many ways. So for example, you can't achieve longevity without focusing on curing disease or reprioritizing women's health or children's health. We take a very holistic, integrated approach. But what I really think the the magic here is, is when you align a whole ecosystem, a whole group of innovators around a singular mission and get them marching collaboratively towards that mission, our thesis is that we can speed up the innovation cycles. We can learn what's working. We can learn about what's not working. We can share that knowledge and those insights. We can tap into network effects and ultimately try to speed progress up, try to manage the innovation cycles in a way that speeds up innovation and does so more efficiently and cost-effectively than ever done before. Yeah, it sounds like a really broad, ambitious moonshot goal, if I may say that. Fantastic. And all credit to you and your partner for all the accomplishments that you've had up until now. And I've been following Startup Health, so you've had some great success stories, and I'll come to that in a minute. But let's talk first about the, the funding environment today. $20 billion in the first half alone. And uh, all indications are that this is going to be another blowout year. In the first half, we have exceeded the funding levels for all of 2020 by most estimates. So what do you make of all this? Tell us about the big investment themes that are out there that are catching the attention of investors. So first of all, a decade ago, when we started Startup Health, there was less than a billion dollars being invested in digital health or early stage health innovation. And as, as you just said, we've seen over $20 billion for the first half of this year. And after Q3, it's closer to $30 billion when you look globally at a lot of the money flowing in globally. And we believe that by the end of the year, we'll be closer to $40 billion. So I think in some ways, it's exciting and surprising. But in other ways, the big question we've had really up until the pandemic, up until about two years ago is, why isn't more money? Why isn't more investment flowing into the sector when you, you know, it's a 10 to $13 trillion global market we're talking about. So in a lot of ways, we believe that there's still not enough capital flowing in, even though it seems like we're exponentially scaling. But when you step back to look at the scope and size and vastness of the opportunity, 
and the market potential. We believe that there's just a lot of really smart investors moving into the space and coming in in a lot of ways from outside of the healthcare market. So you're seeing the soft banks and Tiger Globals move in. Uh, you're seeing sovereign wealth funds move in. You're seeing uh, strategic, not only healthcare companies, but other types of companies, retail companies, consumer companies, technology companies, really invest heavily in the space and in a lot of ways become healthcare companies. I would argue that you look at what Apple has been doing for the past several years, and they're clearly becoming, in some ways, a, a healthcare company in, in very interesting ways. You look at a, a Dollar General and you see how they're moving into healthcare. And we've seen the, the retailers like the Walmarts and Targets and, and Safeways move into healthcare. So it's just a really exciting time. I think some of the trends to watch out for, there's really a whole new generation of innovation happening. So I would equate it to we're really in the the second inning of a really, really wide open market opportunity. So the past decade has really been about really building ecosystems, attracting new streams of capital, bringing new innovators and entrepreneurs into the sector. And we're now entering a phase where there's just a whole plethora of really new types of, of companies. It's really happening not just in one subsector, but it's really across sectors. So you're seeing infrastructure companies. You're seeing now consumer health companies with consumer direct-to-consumer business models. We're seeing services companies. We're seeing high-tech companies. We're seeing digital health companies. We're seeing new diagnostics and med-tech companies. And they're all leveraging technology, data, design innovation, business model innovation. It's a really broad scope for what we're seeing now. Whereas a couple of years ago, I would have said there's just a few really exciting things happening. Now it seems to be emerging all over subsectors, but also globally in multiple regions as well. So I think it's a very, very exciting time to be an entrepreneur in this space, as well as an investor in this space, as well as a strategic company thinking about their opportunity within the future of healthcare. You make a very good point that even though we're looking at numbers like 20 billion and we're saying, oh, it's 100% more than last year, really looking at a small base. So when you're looking at a small base, the growth can seem like a big deal. But uh, when looked at in the context of the size of the opportunity, it may still be very small. And there's, uh, what I'm hearing from you is that there's plenty of headroom yet. And the people with the big checks are moving in. You mentioned you know, SoftBank and Tiger Global and others. And so, well, let's look at the, the yin and the yang of it, right? So right now, when I talk to my clients who happen to be health systems mostly, they're struggling to really keep track of this Cambrian explosion of digital health startups. They want to take advantage of the innovation that is out there. They want to use the innovation to transform their own businesses, but the landscape, it's a highly fragmented landscape is what they see. They see a lot of uh, startups operating at subscale and clearly, you know, not everyone is going to make it. Right? So, 
can you comment on what's happening on the other side in terms of consolidation, shakeouts, M&A activity, IPOs? What's happening to all these startups who are raising all this money? Yeah, and I, I think it's also, it's a great question, is pointing to some of the, I think, exciting trends of some of the newer companies we've seen of over the last uh, two to three years and even the last year that in a lot of ways are infrastructure companies where they're trying to tie together or be integrators, if you will, of a very fragmented market. So if you're a health system, boy, it, it could be really, really confusing when there's hundreds or even thousands of different types of solutions trying to get in and pilot or do business with you or provide some kind of solution for your system. But you're starting to see one of our companies, for example, Particle Health, which is really like what Plaid did to the financial services market and really created a, an integration layer, right? So financial services companies could plug into that. Well, what Particle Health is doing is doing that for the data layer. You're seeing other companies like Comure or Zeus that are really creating a, a platform approach that others can try to build off of. So I think this is um, a really exciting trend. We've seen this, of course, in technology for decades where Apple will have a developer's kit or an app store that others build on. We're starting to see the same thing in healthcare. So I think what has been over the past decade, the fragmentation has been good because there's been thousands of experiments going on. I would equate this to 1994 internet web when the business models were not clear. They were just figuring out this thing called e-commerce or uh, CPM advertising models. It was very, very early and you started to see a lot of different innovation. Yeah. Now it's clear there's market opportunity. It's clear there's great innovation taking place and it's accelerating. It's clear that there's capital and a need. But I think where we're going is new frameworks that become really, I hope, speed things up so others can start to build on top of those frameworks. And I think it's why the second inning or the next inning is, is going to be even more exciting than what we've seen over the past 10 years, because while there's been a lot of really exciting experimentation going on, I think what everyone's looking for now is the impact. Like, where are the results? Where are the outcomes? How is this really helping patients? Or how is this really helping to reduce costs, the practical needs that a health system might have? So I think what we're starting to see, and we've seen it with telehealth companies, for example, that are now demonstrating to a health system either how they can more efficiently or effectively deliver care during a pandemic or even post-pandemic. So we're starting to see, I think, a next wave of innovation. And I, I believe the outcome will be, we'll start to have more quantifiable results from all this innovation that's been invested in over the past decade. You've had a couple of significant uh, exits recently. Do you want to talk about a couple of your success stories just to give us, uh, give our oh, listeners a sense of what's what's coming out of Startup Hub? Yeah, you know, I'm so proud. We've, we've got about 400 companies. We call them health transformer or health moonshot companies. 
Some of the bigger ones you may have heard of, Devoted Health or City Block or, or Verta Health or Cala Health. Most recently, Conversa was acquired by Amwell. Doctor.com was just acquired by Prescani. We have a really exciting blood diagnostics company out of Europe called Nightingale Health that went public on NASDAQ in Europe. What I really am one of, getting back to your first question, I'm really proud of is the diversity of innovation that we have across our portfolio. So it spans region and country, it spans business model, it spans subsector. And I think there's a, a magic to that because what we're starting to see is the cross-pollination of what a big company, and we saw this with the vaccine with Pfizer and biotech, BioNTech as an example, but when you cross-pollinate maybe an established health system or healthcare company with an innovative emerging company and you get them together, you can really start to speed up innovation. I call it the peanut butter and jelly effect where one plus one equals three or, or trying to create something better. And I think what I'm proud of, of our portfolio that quite honestly, when we started a decade ago, it was just an idea. It was just a, a thesis and a belief. But now we're tangibly seeing the fruits of our labor and, and the impact that these great companies and great health transformers are making in very tangible ways in the market. This podcast is brought to you with the support of our partners, Innovacer and Powbox. Congratulations, by the way, on uh, all those exits and Conversa in particular. The Conversa CEO has been on my podcast and so has the Amwell CEO. So I feel like I'm closing the loop in some ways with that story. Fantastic. Uh, those are great success stories. Now, let's talk a little bit about some of these gravitational forces that hold back innovation in healthcare. And healthcare has uh, struggled to accelerate the pace of innovation relative to maybe some of the other sectors, e-commerce, banking, you can pick from any number of them. Part of it is some of the structural issues that companies like Particle Health and Commune and Zeus are trying to solve. In fact, that goes to the heart of one of the issues in healthcare, which is the data flow and the siloed data and uh, the interoperability between various systems and, and the dominance of uh, electronic health record vendors, as an example. In fact, it's interesting that health systems are also finally getting into the act. Uh, you know, recently you saw the launch of Graphite Health, which is actually a consortium of three health systems coming together to solve the same problem that Comir and Zeus and Particle Health and everyone else is solving. So two-part question here. Firstly, what do you think are the big gravitational forces that are holding back innovation? And two, what do you make of health systems getting into the space themselves? Yeah, I think the biggest challenge remains the, the siloed nature of healthcare, where everyone's trying to protect their own sandbox, so to speak. I think it's siloed within healthcare, but then as you start to expand beyond, and you're seeing this with new entrants coming in, thinking of retail as a potential competitor rather than as a collaborator, or technology companies being a competitor rather than a collaborator. So I, I think structurally, you've got, first and foremost, I think for decades, there wasn't enough talent coming into the space. I think for decades, a lot of the entrepreneurial talent was going to build just pure tech companies or 
photo sharing apps or stalker apps or social networks or going basically to management consultant or Wall Street. And now I think a lot of the best talent around the world is coming into healthcare. And that's been a trend for the past decade that I think is, is structurally going to make a significant impact. Secondly, there wasn't enough capital for early stage investment. That's starting to change as we've already discussed. So you've got talent and capital. Then if we can break down the the innovation silos and the data silos and speed things up, I think that's the next big thing. And I think one of the positive things from that we've all learned from the global pandemic is really a mindset shift. I think there was an old framework that certain things around innovation had to take a certain amount of time, had to be impossible, perhaps. And when you do something like create a vaccine that everybody thought would take multiple years and and do that in less than a year and bring it to market, and it starts to break down those old frameworks mentally, mental frameworks, and transform mindset. So I think what we're, we're seeing is a really golden age of innovation potential for where we go from here, because you've got the talent, you've got the capital, and you've got the demand and the mindset shift of how do we go bigger? How do we transform in a way that's more significant than maybe we thought was possible before? So I think the last big hurdle might be how to transform the regulatory frameworks so that it can keep pace with innovation. But I am very, very optimistic about what we've seen even in the past 24 months with how the structural elements that will speed up innovation in the future have fundamentally changed in a post-pandemic world. That is very well said, actually. I think there's this confluence of forces that is eventually going to get this Breakthrough, and it may already be happening. It may just not be public knowledge, and you know they're amongst our midst. You know, the one that's going to you know break have this breakthrough. They're already there. They're working on it. They're probably already out there. What are you hearing from your portfolio companies when you talk to them about the biggest challenges that they have as they build out their products and they're trying to scale and grow and build a sustainable business? It's interesting. I think it depends on the stage. I do think there is still a gap at the earliest stages of development. So let's call it the pre-seed and seed stage, where we're seeing a lot of big $400 million rounds or $100 million rounds or $67 million rounds. And there's still a wide gap for the $500,000 rounds or $1 million rounds. So I think if you're talking to the the innovators that are just getting started, there still is a capital gap. And I think that's why we've started to see in the past year, multiple large early stage pre-seed and seed stage funds, including the one just announced today from NFX Ventures, focusing just on early, early stage. So I think their gap is, is really around capital. I think The biggest challenge, though, is really around a legacy mindset, around a notion that the way things were are the way things that they're going to be in the future. And there's a lot of players within the legacy healthcare world that still have that framework. 
So I think the big opportunity here is to demonstrate through real outcomes, real results, to basically prove to the market what's possible. And I think some tremendous things have happened over the past 24 months that I think are starting to bite away at this apple. So we saw major multi-billion dollar M&A activity, for example, with Teladoc and Lavongo. We saw regulatory shifts happen pretty quickly for things like telehealth or even some of the payment and reimbursement shifts that have happened more recently. So I think what those things are demonstrating to entrepreneurs, innovators, and even the customers of those emerging companies is that the next decade is not like the last decade. And there is really a new after COVID, post COVID landscape that is emerging that is way bigger and faster than what we may have thought just two years ago. Let's talk about the competitive landscape a little bit. Now, the market is changing structurally for healthcare organizations. There's big tech firms, there's uh, nimble young startups, everything in between, not to mention non-traditional, non-healthcare organizations also coming into this space. What do you make of all this? And uh, can you comment specifically on big tech and what you see their role to be in this emerging opportunity landscape? Yeah, one thing I, I think it's so exciting that in many ways, every great company is trying to figure out how to become a healthcare company. And I would go so far as to say automotive companies are trying to become healthcare companies, transportation companies, travel companies. It's really an exciting opportunity because a bunch of new entrants are coming in. And we've seen, you mentioned the, the tech world, and everyone is kind of thinking of these technology companies as competitive, but I see really uh, an opportunity for collaboration here. If you just look at how Amazon has been entering the space versus Apple versus Google, it's all very different. They're all in different lanes and they're all attacking different aspects of, of health innovation completely differently, which I think demonstrates the vastness of the, the potential and the opportunity. But I believe that there's really an exciting opportunity for collaboration between, say, health systems and technology companies. Because I don't think technology companies want to all of a sudden become a health system. And I don't think health systems, particularly their core focus is you know becoming uh, technologists. So when you start to align them together in terms of what each is unique ability are, I see great potential through collaborations. And I think that's what we're starting to see. I think, you know, one of the, the misnomers is there's been a lot of failed experiments over the years from technology companies. We were in like probably the third or fourth or fifth iteration of Google Health, whatever Google Health is. Same with Amazon and the various different iterations. But if you're a, a trillion dollar market cap company, there's only a few ways to grow in the future, which I would suggest healthcare is one of them. So it's not like they're going to stop. 
So I think the real opportunity is to really lean into collaborative innovation, collaborative opportunities, and focus on the core of what you may bring. And that's whether you're a startup or emerging innovation healthcare company, or a really great health system that has care delivery as your core. And what can happen when you start to, to merge great technology layers in with that? So you mentioned regulators and the regulatory landscape. If you had one thing on your wish list for healthcare regulators, especially in the digital health context, what would that be? If I could wave a magic wand in terms of regulation, it, it would be to rethink the future frameworks with the pace of true innovation in mind. So to not, not let the core of providing safety go away, you know, keep that as the core, but to rethink the guidelines and frameworks in a way that exponential innovation can exist within your framework. And I think there's ways to do that by developing, maybe by stage, guide rails or innovation, regulatory innovation kits that early stage companies can build on. And um, we've seen this in with drug development, for example, where there's phase one, phase two, phase three, clinical trials, and it takes you through a process. So imagine we can do the same thing with health tech innovation or digital health innovation and have frameworks that can move very, very quickly, but give innovators a toolkit to work within at different stages of development. And while we're waiting for that to happen, we obviously have to rely on health systems, you know, one organization at a time to really usher these startups, these innovative startups through that process of validation and evidence and uh, all of that good stuff before they can be accepted as viable solutions and then move on to become enterprise class solutions. So if you had one thing on your mind that you would want health systems to do to help accelerate innovation and help your portfolio companies, what would that be? I would study, you know, the concepts around the innovator's dilemma and really not being scared to transform, but leaning into transformation. And I think there's just so many exciting developments that have happened over the past few years in terms of care delivery and these new emerging you know, whether it's a one, one medical or, or forward or, or some of these companies that are thinking about full stack innovation, integrating technology and data and thinking about the experience in a new way. So I would say as the health systems of the future should lean in to early stage innovation, start to experiment in tests and then really think about how to develop new, what we in the tech world would call an innovation stack, but within the context of care delivery and better outcomes. And, and by the way, I think one of the, the things I would also focus on is not just technology innovation. I think it comes down to business model innovation, design innovation, other types of frameworks that can be very, very innovative that really don't have anything to do with pure tech. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. There's a lot of process innovation going on right now as health systems transition in from an in-person only model of healthcare to a 
hybrid model of healthcare and potentially even more heavily lean, leaning towards a virtual only model of healthcare, depending on where they are. So there's a lot of process innovation that is taking place to help caregivers and patients navigate through this new landscape of accessing and experiencing care through these new modalities. So I think your point is very, very well made. I think one of the real exciting assets that so many health systems have are their clinicians. And one of the the great trends we've seen over the past few years is what we like to call the rise of the doctorpreneur. These are clinicians that work with patients, serve patients, but they're also innovators. They know the problems and they're, they're becoming entrepreneurs themselves. So I think leaning into those doctorpreneurs and clinicians within your teams, within your health system can be invaluable for transforming your organization. That's absolutely true. Now, finally, what is your advice to the, the founder who's entering the digital health landscape today? What is your one piece of advice to him or her? I would say mindset matters most. It really is a long journey, resiliency and having a, a long-term mindset to navigate the, the daily ups and downs and challenges that you will inevitably experience as you try to innovate or as you innovate. So having a long-term mindset, a resiliency mindset, a collaborative mindset will serve you very, very well because it's going to take a long, long time to navigate those hurdles and challenges. But as long as you are persistent and resilient, you'll be successful. Well, we're coming up to the end of our time here, and I could go on forever. This can be a very long conversation. But uh, before we close out, I do want to give you the opportunity to talk about your latest fund. You've just launched a fund. Tell our listeners about the fund. Well, yes, we have the Startup Health Moonshots Impact Fund. It's our third fund. We are investing in approximately 15 early stage companies every quarter. You can learn about it at healthmoonshots.com. And really, our, our goal is to invest in a generation or the next generations of really great, extraordinary entrepreneurs that are trying to reinvent the future of health. And we're really searching for those innovators and entrepreneurs that are leaning in to the impact and the outcomes and and supporting the innovators of the future. So we'd love to talk to you about it. You can learn about it at healthmoonshots.com and I'd be happy to share more details one-on-one. Thank you so much, Unity. First of all, congratulations on your uh, outstanding progress so far. I applaud you for the grand vision and the moonshots and for all the wonderful work that you and your team do. And I wish you and your team the very, very best. Patty, thank you so much. And congratulations on episode 100. These types of podcasts are so invaluable to educating the ecosystem and, and pushing us all forward. So thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can reach us at info at with your feedback and questions. This podcast is brought to you with the support of our partners, Innovacer and Palbox.